Welcome to the CEO of Destiny podcast, where you will find the tools to fulfill the purpose of your generation and wildly succeed in the marketplace. And now your host, Andre J. Benjamin. Can you think of any either uh, teachers, instructors, or role models that were that saw basically this dormant gold that was in you in some form and was able to call it out in your in your formative years? Was there ever any instructors that you recommended? I mean, that you recognized and was like, man, they, they actually yeah. see more in me than what I'm giving off. Because like you said, there was a lot of external pressures and, you know, misinterpretations. And just like you said, the sinfulness and the brokenness of people to make yeah. fun of and all this stupid stuff that people do that is they're yeah. very cruel in school. It's just real. But I feel like yeah. that's the real gladiator school. So I don't know about all this. I think it was the comedian Chris Rock that said, he said, if we get rid of all the bullies, there won't be any companies, like, you know, because they become these arch villains or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So can you, can you think of any instructors that were able yeah. to call out gold in you? Yeah. So, I mean, even till this day, my third grade and fourth grade teachers, they still follow my stuff. Like they're, they comments on my Instagram stuff. Like they, it's so cool to see how freaking, how, how many years ago was that? I was eight and now I'm 31, 23 years later, um, they're still following the story. And so they, <clears throat> I know that they both, like my, sorry, let me cough. My, uh, my third grade teacher had put me in, um, fifth grade math. <laughs> and so like, uh, so she, she knew that I was, uh, gifted in that way. Um, even when I was eight years old, little kid and she didn't have to do that. She could What's just, know, like, uh, Mrs. Breen. Yeah. She was awesome. Oh, shout out. Mrs. Yeah. Breen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, uh, my fourth grade teacher, <clears throat> she has been an awesome, um, role model to me, meaning, um, though I was the stupid kid that would get into fights uh, and get in trouble. I remember her pulling me aside saying, Hey, you can't do this, that type of stuff. She was very long suffering with me. She was very like patient and dealt with me really well. Um, they, and yeah, there were other teachers along the way that gave me opportunities as far as like um, putting me in like, like, you know, allowing me to take the gifted test and then I aced it. And then I would get into the gifted classes. Um, <clears throat> I don't think that any of the other ones really, um, uh, did a ton as far as just like knowing that this is like, they didn't have any sort of conviction around me in particular, no. except for my third and fourth grade teachers did. And then also um, in undergrad, my physics teacher, um, why am I blanking on his name? Um, I remember his face. He, he was such a, um, well, like literally, literally if I read them, like, oh, literally that was his name. Um, it just a uh, brain burp, what do you want to call it? He, <clears throat> he, he ta taught me the, like my physics teacher taught me the um, importance of effective communication sounds so random, but it was so odd. I remember coming to him after class. And I was like, dude, in, in 11th grade, I had a C in physics, but now in his class, I had like a 103 and I was like crushing it. And it, it, and it was, you know, really just two or three years later, like from when I was, when I was 16 and I took physics versus when I was uh, 19, and I took physics. So three years later um, from you know, high school versus college. In college, obviously, I wanted to apply myself more, but I was like, but you're also just a better teacher. What makes you such a good teacher? And he's like, he loves the puzzle of being able to <clears throat> get these complex uh, uh, complex concepts to become attractive enough for people to want to be in, or to feel incentivized to actually retain it. And so, so many kids in his classes were like, his tests were not easy because there were some kids who were just straight flunking because they just, no matter what you would do, they wouldn't give a crap. But 
he was able to get even the C and B students to letter grade up because they really retained the concepts. He taught us how to think in physics. And so I think that even him, like, um, giving me access, like he, he, he introduced me to other teachers that he thought would be helpful and all that. And I think the difference is I was one of the few students who actually appreciated the uh, art of what he was doing. Um, <laughs> when you think about physics and, and teaching physics, you don't think about art at all, but uh, the art of his, uh, his uh, communication ability. And he, and by the way, he's not like even a, he's not even a, a highly, he's not a high EQ person. It's funny because he's like a robot. Like he's like, <laughs> like, he's like a robot that's trying to solve. Okay. How do I get these humans to understand <laughs> what I'm saying? And <clears throat> he's very masterful at it. And, uh, one of my favorite, Oh, Mr. Thompson. Why am I forgetting his name? Um, amazing at what he did. So all I have to say, like, those are the three teachers that really stood out, uh, to me because of their own unique, different sort of things. If that makes you sense. call the fourth grade teacher out, you call two of them out. What's the fourth? Oh, grade Mrs. Uh, uh, Mrs. Colley. Yeah. All right, Mrs. Collins, shout out Ms. Collins. Yeah. Uh, can you talk a bit about, I love it. Can you talk a bit about what your definition of the metaverse? Because, you know, it's to be determined in many people's eyes, but how would you yeah. say the metaverse is? Yeah, I, I think just in sim- simple terms, it's just like a, a 3D internet, right? It's something where, um, you know, you and I are doing video conferencing right now, but in a metaverse world, we put on our glasses or our headset, visor, whatever you want to call it. And we would be sitting across a table together um, as opposed to this two-dimensional video screen thing. The reason why people get the Zoom fatigue is because like my, uh, my brain is trained to um, see humans and understand how they are in 3D. But right now, my, both my eyeballs are seeing the same image. And it's like almost trying to create two sides to your face, but I can't really because wow. we're on it. And so you do that for eight hours a day, you're frying your brain. Whereas in VR, it's, it's like, it's, it's pretty um, <clears throat> mind blowing to people when they first find this out. But in VR, there's no Zoom fatigue because it just feels like real life. Uh, it's what your brain was created to, to do or to, to consume. And so uh, VR, the only fatigue you get right now is the weight of the headset on your, on your neck. So yeah. like for me, like I wrestled. And so, you know, they, they, they make sure that you work out your neck and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrestled in high school. And so for me, it doesn't affect me. So I could legit, it sounds crazy, but I could spend eight to 10 hours a day with a VR headset on. Uh, not straight, obviously like two to four hour sessions at yeah. a time, take it off, put it back on, go take a break, whatever. But once this stuff becomes glasses, I mean, one third of our world wears glasses already. And so yeah. it's like, it's not going to be any different. So um, I think that when we talk about this sort of metaverse type world, it's going to just be the next evolution of the internet, right? Because the internet right now, <clears throat> it go back to, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands, you had web one, which was really just reading stuff off the internet, information, billboards, whatever online. Uh, Web two was, you know, Facebook, YouTube, where you're not only reading, but you're also writing. And then web three, which is uh, reading, writing, and then having actual digital ownership, right? And so in a metaverse world where things like digital assets, digital currency, virtual real estate, those things are going to become so essential. Um, Sounds weird right now, but in five or 10 years, it's not going to sound weird anymore because you're already going to be using it. So uh, I think that people kind of obviously like make jokes of, oh, the, you know, let's feed these kids to the metaverse. And like, let's like, you don't, you don't even know what you're talking about. Like, you know, what does that even mean? It's like people just use it as some weird buzzword jargon thing. And uh, it's like, it's just, it's going to be the next generation of internet or of our internet, man. So, so can you, okay, that you, since you hit on it, it's already, it's clearly in the, in the pathway of questions that I'm going to ask. But let's talk a little bit about a lot of people's, um, Reluctance, resistance, skepticism, uh, you know, a lot of people, I, I, I even asked people, I, I was just kind of in a teasing way after everybody had been on Zoom and a lockdown, I kept coming out and telling everybody like, 
I would go just even in the grocery checkout line and say, are you ready to just be like fully in? Are you ready to get your avatar? And they're like, no, thank you. After being locked down, <laughs> people were like, no. So it's just regular people. And I was kind of taking a little side poll, just trying to hype up and being like, they're saying we're going to be fully in. Are you ready? And they would be like, no, like, I want yeah. to see people. I'm ready to see my family. So it's yeah. just, I want to hear about your, your vantage point of, you know, hearing yeah. people um, because there's, you know, there's many views of how people see it could go and it yeah. depends on open, closed, um, you know, the people are, which version is, is it going to be, is it going to be ready player one, or is it going to be something that is more, um, everybody's playing a role to shape how it is. You, you, so, yeah, I mean, I think the thing is like, because, uh, we don't live multiple lifetimes, we don't have as much pattern recognition as we, uh, probably should, meaning, like, you know, you probably heard that phrase that history doesn't necessarily repeat itself, but it, it rhymes, right? And so we've seen these patterns before, if you just read a little bit of history in regards to in the, you know, in the early 1900s, where newspapers were a thing that like everyone was um, getting, it's like, okay, well, you know, this person won't get their face out of the newspaper. And it's like, you know, this technology is, you know, crushing our next generation. And it's like, and you fast forward to, uh, you know, the, the, the gaming, you know, the Sega Genesis or the, the GameCube or, you know, the desktop computer, or whatever, you know, these kids, they have their screens, they're glued to their screens. Um, and then you have the iPhone, same thing. And then now VR or whatever. Um, but it's funny because <clears throat> think about how the older generation actually adopts the same thing. They're just lagged behind. So do you know of your grandparents that probably read the newspaper? Do you know of your parents who probably use computers now? Yeah. Um, do you know of your generation who uses smartphones now yeah. and your kids who are now using VR? Well, all of, this, all of that's going to level up soon in the next generation anyway. And so all that to say, like, people can always be intimidated, resistant, whatever, uh, to all of this, but they're going to end up adopting it anyway. Um, and so the, the reason why that happens is because uh, all of these tech giants are financially incentivized to figure out how do we build a product that people do adopt and do love. Like if it's, if people say, Oh yeah, I'm never going to use that thing. If Facebook takes note and Apple takes note and they make sure that if you're saying that now, okay, well, what version of this can I build so that you do adopt it? And uh, people don't realize that more than they think they're actually a product of the environment. Meaning, um, so I don't know, let's say 25 years ago before there was a Facebook, right? Or say 20 years ago when MySpace and Friendster first came out. I'm sure a bunch of parents are like, why are you wasting your time on that thing? And then Facebook came out and, and you know, my parents would say, yo, get off of that thing. Um, fast forward to today, my mom uses Facebook way more than I ever did. It's I, I, yeah, it's I, yeah I, I log into Facebook maybe once every two, three weeks. Uh, my mom uses it every single day and she uses WhatsApp every single day. Both of those are owned by Zuckerberg. So um, it's funny because again, like we can be resistant to it like my mom was 20 years ago. Um, but again, those tech giants are financially incentivized to figure out how to create a metaverse that is compelling because if Facebook doesn't figure it out, Apple will. And Facebook doesn't want Apple to, Facebook wants to figure it out first. Likewise, if uh, Apple doesn't figure it out, Facebook will, and Apple doesn't want Facebook to. So Apple, so they are financially incentivized to compete to figure out how do we get even more user engagement? Because all of them believe deep down that a more immersive version of this zoom meeting is going to be way more successful than just zoom. Zoom is not going to be the way that people are going to use everything. So what is so what is exciting about so talk about immersed and kind of also talk about what's exciting about it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Do us a favor. If this was useful in any way for you, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Reviews will allow others to easily discover the podcast. 
If you'd like more information and to receive a free download, rediscover your destiny, go to CEOofDestiny.com. Thanks again, and tune in next time.